0: The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to
1: michiganradio.org. 26, 2022. Would the
2: clerk please call the roll?
3: Sure. Councilmember Fred Darhall III. Present. Councilmember Coleman Young II. second. Council member Gabriela Santiago Romero? Present. You have a quorum present, Mr. Chair.
2: Thank you, Madam Clerk. And next, we will move to the approval of the minutes. Members have been provided the minutes uh, previous to today's meeting. I have a motion to approve the minutes of last meeting. Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Uh, today, we have a pretty uh, short agenda. However, uh, I will note uh, that we do have a 3 p.m. closed session. Uh, so I ask members uh, to keep questions very pointed uh, so we can so we do not run over into uh, our closed session time. Uh, next, we will move to our public comment. Uh, if you would like to participate in public comment. If you are attending virtually, please indicate so by raising your hand now via Zoom, uh, and you will be recognized. Public comment is now open. We will keep it open. Uh, during the remainder uh, of public comment unless uh, we get a a high number of callers. So, uh, Mr. Leonard, with that being said, uh, we don't have anyone here from the public uh, physically with us. Uh, How many callers do we have virtually for public comment today?
4: Good afternoon, Mr. Chair. Today we have five hands that are raised uh, for public comment.
2: Thank you, Mr. Leonard. Each caller will have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record prior to speaking. Uh, and who do we have? Who is our first caller?
4: Mr. Chair, our first caller is Cunningham.
2: Brother Cunningham, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed.
1: It's Brother Cunningham, how you doing, sir? Um, in regards to paratransit, Transit. I, I wanted to say this that we have an input meeting for regular public transit uh, every third Thursday or uh, uh, near that. And I have been wondering why DDOT or TransDev doesn't invite the people from paratransit because they have their addresses and their phone number, like sending out a mailer, the demographic that uses. The the Metro, a lot of times they don't know how to use technology. I was curious why DDOT doesn't send a mailer out to those since they have everybody's addresses in Paratransit, including me, I'm Paratransit as well, MetroLift. Send out a mailer to invite them to talk about their issues they have with Paratransit. Um, I get out and about with flyers uh, for the, the, the every third Thursday input meeting because there's no access to addresses. So you give them the flyer and get them to show up. They usually do. But those that are paratransit, it's really easy for them to um, send them a mailer and an invite. Also, um, paratransit requires you to give 24 hours in advance before going anywhere. And I think that's a bit unfair. Um, I will try to be at the meeting tomorrow, um, but I just wanted to run those thoughts by you, um, Mr. Chair. Um, why don't they send out mailers since they have the addresses of those that use paratransit or transdev? Hotline number for those listening. A lot of you have called. And just listen. 313-444-9114. 9114 It extends my time. It's three minutes. And on Facebook, uh, Force of Servants Cunningham. And remember, I've given out free rise to the polls. Let's vote.
2: Thank you, Brother Cunningham. And I, I will note, uh, relative to the subject of paratransit, the Disability Task Force, uh, which I chair, is meeting tomorrow at the ARC Detroit. And one of the uh, presenters will be in, uh, uh D-Dot, excuse me, uh, to speak about paratransit, as well as um, um, uh, ensuring that our transportation is ADA compliant, and also hear and address the concerns of uh, residents of our disabled community, and that is happening tomorrow uh, at the Arc Detroit on Fifty One uh, West Hancock. So, uh, if you'd like to join, you can please you could join us there, uh, Mr. Leonard. Who do we have
4: next? Our next caller, Mr. Chair, is D Two, victimized Detroit retiree. D2 victimized Detroit retiree.
2: You have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed.
3: Hello? Yes. Hello? Can you hear me? We can. Okay. Yes. Good afternoon to you all. Um, I'd like to speak um, on, it's an item on the um, agenda. And uh, it's in regard to um, another race for the Detroit police officers. And, um, What it's going to amount to is $40 million. Uh, This is what the, uh, you know, analysis, uh, you know, fiscal analysis, uh, financial analysis stated. It's going to be $40 million the first year and then uh, almost $90 million, um, you know, in a a couple more years. So I don't think that that's a wise raise, uh, you know, to give the police officers. And in the meanwhile, no one else is getting a raise and the police officers were supposed to take a cut along with everyone else during the bankruptcy. So now they've, uh, they they, in the police officers union, they've gotten, you know, several raises and here now you got the pensioners who have gotten jacked, not one done. So I don't understand how anyone can justify that. I mean, well, it's not rational, you know, to think that anyone could, um, you know, survive and continue to survive. Even though I noticed, um, that in the uh, you guys closing resolution that you did, uh, it was requested that the uh, you know uh, pe- seniors get you know a one time stipend and you know but nothing's happening. So when are we going to start dispersing what we've asked for or did did, did the mayor uh, veto it again? So we don't know that. I've been studying the uh, you know the the budget that you guys put online, and so that's why I'm wondering why would we do that and not you know try to uh, increase. Um, you know the pensioners at all and then you said you can't do it well there must not be a plan of adjustment if you can constantly give these raises contrary to what the plan of adjustment called for I didn't see the plan of adjustment called for doubling the policeman's salary but I thought they were supposed to you know suffer We're all everybody's gonna take a bite get a hit so that doesn't seem fair to me thanks
2: thank you and I would note that that line item uh, is coming up uh, later Uh, In our agenda, uh, I would ask that uh, members from the administration or uh, DPD note that uh, uh, public comment that just was given so you can uh, provide a little bit of answers and shed light on that. Uh, We'll move to our next caller.
4: Mr. Chair, our next caller is Gina Donetti, 104 Edmond Place. Gina
2: Donetti, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed.
5: Hi, my name is Gina Donetti. I am the co president of the 104 Edmund Place condominium, located next door to the new project, the 112 Edmund Place. I'm here with the other co president, Dominic Gillette. Um, we're here just to support the application for the for 112 Edmund Place for the neighborhood enterprise zone, the NES exemption for that project. Um, This project will bring new life to a vacant and blighted parcel of land that is located next door to our condominium. Uh, It will contribute to the reduction of crime, litter and vagrancy on our block. Additionally, it will provide home ownership opportunities at an attainable price point to 16 new residents and their families who will live, shop, work, play in the Brush Park community and throughout the city of Detroit. It will greatly improve our neighborhood and generate other tax revenue for the city. Um, We probably would not have been able to afford our condominium if our place did not have this NES tax exemption for the first few years. And we believe it's very important for this project to uh, get approval so that they can um, they can fill their condominiums um, up and and it won't, uh, you know, it it will be a successful project and people will want to live there and it won't just sit there vacant like many of the buildings around us. Um, And that's it.
2: Thank you. Uh, We will now close public comment. Public comment is now closed. If you have not had your hand risen uh, before public comment was closed, unfortunately you will not be able to make public comment, uh, but you can still submit your comments uh, to the clerk's office as well. Public comment is now closed. We'll move to our next caller. Uh, Mr. Leonard, who do we have? Mr. Chair, our next caller is Travis. Travis, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed.
6: Uh, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, my name is Travis Formont, um, and I'm I'm actually also um, calling in to support um, 112 Edmonds' application for the Neighborhood Enterprise Zone (NAZ). Um, I'm the owner and operator of Bar P which is a new new restaurant in the Carlton Lost, just north of that that project. Um, <clears throat> and I can tell you that the neighborhood in all these the housing and the new developments is really supporting our business. And and we do have some destination, um, guests, but I would say, you know, at this point, 80% of our business is the local community supporting us. Um, you know, the restaurant business is extremely tough. And, and I think this the addition of this project as well as other projects in this neighborhood, um, is really going to help us thrive and, and, you know, create this great neighborhood walkable area. Um, and I'm just, uh, Yeah, I'm extremely excited. That's all I got.
2: Okay, thank you. Next caller, please.
4: Mr. Chair, the next caller is Joanne Warwick, number ending in 534.
2: Ms. Warwick, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed.
7: Yes, good afternoon. May I be heard? Yes, you may. So I called the Walker-Williams Rec Center today. They're open because there's people there because they're giving out senior lunches. But I was told that they are waiting for appropriations to do some reparations on the center. So it sounds to me like it wouldn't be open for about a year. I find this really disconcerting that after a pandemic, we're not opening our rec centers, but we're spending, what, $3 million on renovating the mayor's office? I also would like to point out that um, I saw something on the internet about the Detroit equity council which is part of the city and yet there was no equity in my neighborhood in the planning of the lower north end uh, it was some of the mayor's people even people on this equity council that were involved in planning this in secret and um, it really doesn't feel good to be treated like a, yeah, like Mr. Antoine Bryant's on it to be treated like a second class citizen. So I don't know how you do equity inclusion. If you don't include everybody in a neighborhood in a planning study, and then people go ahead and vote for something that was planned in secret with purposeful exclusion of the residents, black, white, Arabic, long-term, shorter term, all of that. And, um, so, Mr. Durhall, you know, in, in, in your disability task force, please consider people's mental health. Because when we're treated like second-class citizens like this, or when people don't get back with people like Coleman Young's office and stuff like that, it, it really leads to bad mental health, and it feels like taxation without representation, and it just looks like a lot of phony rhetoric. Um, also, there's an arsonist in our neighborhood. And uh, people have been complaining about him, and the police didn't do anything about it. They're not doing stuff about property crimes, so I don't support a raise for the police if they're not going to be responding to crimes. People get tired.
2: Thank you, Ms. Warwick. That is your time uh, to comment very briefly. Uh, a member of our Disability Task Force is the Detroit Wayne Integrated Health Network, who uh, deals with mental, mental health, so we are uh, keeping that in mind, and they are often present at the table. So uh, we will move to our next caller, Mr. Leonard.
4: Mr. Chair, our final caller is Donovan Darius.
2: Donovan Darius, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed.
8: Hello, my name is Donovan Darius. I am a Brush Park resident. I've lived here for 10 years and I have been able to witness all the development in the neighborhood. I'm calling to also support the NEZ uh, exemption for 112 admin, the Edmund place development. Um, I've seen uh, larger developments like City Modern uh, have been able to uh, um, be part of the uh, the NE zone, NEZ uh, exemption, and I think it's important for smaller developers uh, to also uh, be afforded that same uh, incentive. I think it's important, uh, especially for this developer. Uh, he's a local community member, and as uh, the previous callers had stated. This will be 16 new residents that will be supporting the businesses like uh, Barpagal uh and other restaurants and uh, uh, businesses that are in the neighborhood now and coming to the neighborhood soon. So I just wanted to support uh, that and thank you.
2: Thank you very much. And that concludes public comment. Uh, we have no more callers. Uh, I will note that we have been joined by Vice Chair Young at the table who has been here for some time right now. Uh, so would the clerk please note.
3: I will note, Mr. Chair, thank you.
2: Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, next, we will move on into our agenda. finished business. Line item 5.1, submitting a resolution of authorization for Trumbull Crossing Detroit 2020 Limited Dividend Housing Association Limited Partnership Payment in lieu of taxes, otherwise known as PILOT. Quadrant Investments 3 LLC has formed Trumbull Crossing Detroit 2020 Limited Dividend Housing Association Limited Partnership in order to develop the project known as Trumbull Crossing. The project is an existing 245-unit affordable housing complex consisting of 157 units in a mid-rise building and 88 units within 11 townhouse buildings in an area bounded by Elijah McCoy on the north, Lodge Freeway on the east, Edsel so freeway on the south, and Trumbull on the west. The rehabilitation project will include 137 one-bed, one-bath, 20, two bed, one bath, 68, two bed, one and a half bath, 14, three bed, two bath, and six, four bed, two bath affordable housing units. The plan rehabilitation will not result in any tenant displacement or rent increases. Uh, Members, you have a motion to discuss line item 5.1. Motion. Uh, And members, as we would note, this was a line item, uh, I believe, that we brought back last week pending some information uh, relative to uh, some questions we had uh, to tenant displacement, as well as a few other questions. Uh, if we can queue up Miss Ann Donosky, uh, hopefully I pronounced it right this week,
0: uh, yes.
2: from Quadrant Investments. Good morning. Good afternoon. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Um, yes, my name is Ann Donosky and I'm here representing Quadrant Investments. Um, and since we have a new person, uh, a new council member here, I thought I would go through the uh, details of the, the deal again. Um, I just want to say that, uh, as we discussed before, Trouble Crossing actually started out as Research Park. It was built originally built in 1976 as part of an urban renewal project. And then in 2006, it was sold and it was syndicated as a tax credit deal. And then our, our purchase and resyndication will mean that it will continue to be a tax credit deal. And I have the pictures here, I'm gonna share the screen. Um, oh, do you want me to show you the pictures?
2: Uh, yes, Mr. Leonard, could you please provide sharing capabilities, please?
4: Sharing capabilities is enabled, Mr. Chair.
2: Mr. Nasky, please proceed.
0: So the um, first picture I'm gonna show you is, um, this is an aerial of the property. Uh, This right here, as you can see, is 94, is Trumbull, and Lodge is over uh, to the east. This building right here is the 11-story high-rise. That has 157 one- and two-bedroom apartments. And then the other uh, townhouse buildings, there are 11 townhouse buildings that contain 88 units. The high rise. I can show you. This is a picture of the front of the high rise. This is a picture of the back of the high rise. There's some green space there. There's a playground. We intend to um, add a picnic area in this as part of the rehab. Here's uh, some of the townhouses. You can see how they're spread. It's actually uh, quite a bit of green space around them. And this is a more close up of the. Uh, of what the units look like in the townhouses. The rents, I just wanted to say I have a rent chart here, but I wanted to say that most of the units in this property are subsidized. So 76 of our units have what is called a RAD subsidy, 62 have project based vouchers, 75 have housing choice vouchers. the housing choice voucher number changes. Uh, those are people that bring their subsidy with them. So that number would go up and down. But right now we only have 32 units uh, with residents who have no subsidy. And those rents are currently set at 40, 50, and 60% median because of the fact that it, this trouble is currently um, a tax credit deal. And that was how they targeted back in 2006. So when we purchase the building, we will not be raising those rents. Whatever that tenant is paying now is what they will pay. And then we'll follow Mr.'s rules that no one can have an increase of in more than 5% of their rents going forward. However, the plan for the future, we are gonna be 100% at 60% of medium. So with um, new residents coming in, they, uh, those rents could be higher, but generally right now, in the pro forma, we just budgeted them at 50% of median, even though we could go up to 60% of median. Um, so the rents are, uh, the one bedroom apartment, the square footage is 632 and the rent is 773. Two bedroom apartment, the square footage is 825 and the rent is 899. Two bedroom townhouse, one baths, is square footage of 966 square feet and the rent is set at 863. The three bedroom townhome townhome has uh, two baths. The square footage is 1,065 square feet and the rent is 988. And the four bedroom townhouse would, that's a mistake on this chart, it has two baths and the square footage is 1,256 square feet and the rent is $1,056. And so I don't like this to go off now. Oh. oh okay. Um, and then just generally, uh, to comment on the rehabilitation budget. Our budget is over $17 million. Um, The mid rise is having new windows and new exterior panels as part of the rehab, new roof, generator boilers. We're adding community space and um, working uh, to fix the elevators. The uh, all of the units will so get new flooring, energy efficient lights, energy efficient appliances, new cabinets, uh, new tubs, all new plumbing fixtures. The uh, I know that you're interested in the relocation plan. I did talk to uh, Kyle O'Furry about that, he's with the city of Detroit. But basically, um, our scope will require that all of the residents will have to move out temporarily as we uh, work on their units because of the, uh, we're going to be replacing the pipes. So a lot of drywall will have to be removed. And we do have issues with uh, asbestos remediation while we work on that, because there's asbestos in the uh, drywall joint compound. So our plan is for, For everyone to, every family will leave for uh, hopefully 10, but maybe up to 15 days while the work is being done. We are making arrangements with an extended stay hotel in Dearborn. It has both one and two bedroom units, so we'll be able to sleep. The two bedroom will sleep six, but actually it can sleep even more than that with uh, bringing in um, cots or something like that. The housing, the hotels is located uh, near Walmart and every unit has a complete kitchen and um, kitchen utensils and dishes. Um, all of the, any extra expense for this, like the cost of the hotels um, and the cost of um, meals to, to a certain extent is going to be covered by the, uh, by the development itself mission requires that, but the tenants not have any cost that would be extra to them. So um, beyond that, we're also trying to work out arrangements for transportation. We recognize that there'll be a lot of, of disruption in people's lives and we need to uh, strive as much as we can to accommodate uh, any problems that they may have. So we're, Probably, uh, we have our line on, a line on a 12-passenger um, van, thinking that we may have to go pick up people and uh, get them back to the property so that they can uh, catch their school bus if needed or or whatever they need to do to get to work, to put them back to their home base for that um, time period. Um, there are eight ADA units that need extensive renovations. Those renovations are going to take more like six weeks and the plan for those units is that we will uh, be able to keep two units vacant so that those uh, residents will be able to move into the vacant units while the ADA unit is having more extensive renovation and then they will be able to move into that and back into their renovated units and then two more people will go into the vacant units, stay for their period and then move back in, and so on and so on. And then I also wanted to comment on parking because we did work with the Detroit Water and Sewer Department to develop a plan so that we could convert some of our unused parking space um, to a green space, which would be a detention basin, and that that will prevent a certain amount of water from leaving the site into the sewers, and we will be earning some drainage credits for that plan. Um, So in the... In That plan, we did remove 77 park- parking spaces out of the mid rise because they were essentially unused. And we tracked this over a number of days actually, it, it would be a number of years in terms of the management's, um, you know, familiarity with us. But we did add eight more spaces near to the front entrance, and we also added, uh, added eight spaces to the townhouse area. So we're ending up with um, a total of 247 spaces, which would be uh, a little, just one per unit, essentially. So the, there'd be 117 spaces for the mid-rise building, and then 130 spaces for the townhouse area, which we actually want and that And that is um, all that I had to present, unless there are questions.
2: Okay, thank you, Ms. Donosky. Uh, uh, I, I want to just dive deeper into this. I, I remember bringing this back last week because we looked in the language and it stated that there, this rehabilitation will not result in any tenant displacement. And now what I'm hearing is that there's going to be a temporary tenant displacement for up to 15 days. Uh, and so, uh, you know, kind of curious to why this language wasn't modified or amended once. Uh, And two, now it seems as if the plan has changed a little bit um, from the previous plan where we talked about there would be units. uh, Say you work on one unit and you transfer them to this unit while you're working on that unit. They may be able to come back the same day. Uh, And that's one of the reasons we raise concerns uh, regarding asbestos remediation and uh, tenants living in that area uh, while this is uh, occurring. Uh, but why, you know, why uh, have we not uh, modified this language? Because uh, again, I don't feel comfortable supporting a resolution saying this will not result in any tenant displacement, and obviously, it's going to happen for 15 days. Actually, I uh,
0: just and, 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 and really quick, I-
2: am I mistaken? Pardon me, am I mistaken? This am I? Do I have a different copy, or does it still say that? Well,
0: I I just
2: pulled up. <laughs> off- pardon me, Ms. Um uh, oh. Ms. Burke.
0: Sorry, Uh, Mr. Chair, you do have an updated, uh, I guess it would be corrected um, resolution and also a cover sheet from uh, the board.
5: Uh, Hopefully it was passed on to you. Uh,
2: That I do not see.
5: Uh. I handed out
0: copies earlier to a clerk and was
5: told that
2: you would pardon me. I see it now. Okay. I see it now. So, okay. All right. Well, that is good. Thank you.
0: You are welcome.
2: So Ms. Danoski, my apologies. I'm glad that has been taken out. Uh, and so I don't know if members have any other questions uh, to this project.
0: I can address your other question that you had about how, why we had to change the plan. Mm
5: -hmm.
0: We, um, you know, because so many of our units are subsidized, we had to check with Mishta and the other agencies and discovered that if we were to keep those subsidized units vacant for any, like over 60 days, that they would, they'd be coming off our contract, we would lose them. And so that's why we, we don't have enough unoccupied, unsubsidized units that we'd be able to do that. At this point, we have two units that we're keeping vacant, but we just don't have the, um, the movership you know, that, um, that, that we have that many vacant units, especially if, if we would lose our subsidy on the units that we do have. So we went to this other plan instead.
2: Okay, thank you. And if the clerk would note, uh, obviously on the agenda, I think posted to the public, it says will not result in any tenant displacement, which is what the discrepancy was, even though this document looks like it was submitted on the 19th, but it's not reflected uh, on the agenda submitted to the public. So if the clerk would please note that change. I wouldn't know.
3: Mr. Chair, per... Just a point of clarity, that particular item that you have before you that has been amended, it has also been uploaded in eScribe. However, at this point, we will remove that item from eScribe and move what you have before you. If this item goes out today, the item that you have with the corrected resolution will be what be voted on Tuesday before the full body and not how it was listed on the agenda today.
2: Thank you, Madam Clerk, and again, uh, that's always a concern of us. We want to make sure that the public knows exactly what we're voting on uh, relative to these, uh, particularly as it pertains uh, to amendments. Members, any questions? Thank you. Chair. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Chair recognizes Member Santiago Romero.
9: Thank you, Mr. Chair. Just for clarification, so a few questions for clarification. What should we, through you, to... Our parliamentarian should we walk this on or is it enough to just state that we are voting on what we have right in front of us this amended um contract recommendation would be to make the motion that you're voting on the amended um, resolution got it okay thank you so much um thank you mr chair and then um through you to our um, developers uh for trumbull crossing so then again just um for clarity this new resolution will not result in any permanent tenant displacement you've mentioned the process that the residents would go through um what that that they'll have to go through to leave for the renovations and then they will be back um the and the time that they will be away is you're, you're saying about 15 days
0: the contractor thinks the work will be done in about 10 days, but okay. we have to have city inspections and mission inspections, and so that's why I say 10 to 15 days.
9: Okay, that, that makes sense to me so then i too feel comfortable moving this forward knowing that we have an amended resolution knowing that residents will be going back to their units once they're renovated um with no rent increases so just one my that for clarity for myself and for the public thank you mr chair
2: thank you member santiago romero uh, any other questions any further questions okay okay members we have had the presentation we have been provided the amendment uh, to this line item. Uh, do I have a motion uh, to send line item 5.1 to formal with a recommendation to approve as amended? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, line item 5.1 will be sent to formal uh, with a recommendation to approve as amended. Thank you very much, mr. Noski I appreciate your diligence and your work in getting back with us, answering those questions, and developing a great plan for our residents. Uh, regarding the displacement as well as uh, getting that language together so thank you very much thank you sir okay members next we will move to new business Uh, members you have been provided uh, something in front of you uh, relative to a walk-on i am asking that we can walk this item on Uh, this is something that Uh, We were going to bring back next week, but did not put on the agenda and would like to walk on today. Uh, Do I have a motion to walk on uh, the Neighborhood Enterprise Zone Certificate applications for the new construction of 16 condominium units located at 2845, 2855, and 2865 John R. uh, to our new business agenda, and it would be noted that that would be line line item 6.5. Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, we will uh, walk this item on. Uh, And members, if we could uh, jump just directly to this item and then come back to new business, Uh, I do have a motion to do so. Motion. Okay, so we can take this item up. Uh, And a motion to discuss as well. Motion. Thank you, Member Young, Vice Chair Young. Uh, I believe we have Mr. Richard Barr online uh, for this, as well as Mr. Gulak.
10: Good afternoon, Mr. Chair. Chris Kulak, CPC LPD staff.
2: Good afternoon. Uh, Is Mr. Barr online? If so, could we please promote him?
11: Good afternoon. Uh, Richard Barr from Huntington on behalf of the applicant. There also are several applicants, representatives whose names I think I provided, but if you could admit Mr. Uh, Smith and Liberty and uh, and also Mr. Laughlin, that would be helpful.
2: Mr. Leonard, if you could please promote the individuals Mr. Barr has indicated. And for assistance, Mr. Barr, could you please uh,
11: repeat those individuals? I guess it should be. Uh Tim Laughlin, L-U-G-H-R-I-N, and Carl Liberty and Ben Smith. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, hope, I believe there are at least two of them, hopefully all three, have been uh, monitoring the, uh, the meeting.
4: Mr. Chair, Mr. Laughlin has been promoted. I do not see the other two individuals quite yet.
2: Okay, is it possible that they're joining us with a different number, uh, Mr. Barr?
11: Well, they were supposed to log in their computers so their names would show up, let's see. I do see Mr. Liberty as an attendee on the list and- Looks like know. Ben-
4: Mr. Liberty, I do apologize, Mr. Chair. Uh, Mr. Lombardi has been promoted. Uh, I do have another one with their hand raised under Detroit Unity.
2: No, that is that is not uh, one of our presenters, I can guarantee you. So. <laughs> and,
11: and we can uh, proceed. Yes, and, yes, yes, please proceed.
10: Thank you. Um, Mr. Chair, I have a brief uh, slide overview. Do I have permission to go through that now?
2: Please proceed, Mr. Gulak.
10: Uh, thank you. Yeah, this involves an NEZ certificate request for uh, three addresses on John R. This slide shows the location outlined in yellow. It's at the southwest corner of John R. and Edmund Place. Uh, to the north is the Carlton apartment buildings, and to the west are some historic um, Brush Park homes. To the east is City Modern, and to the south is currently vacant land. This shows a. Uh, aerial view of the site. It's a currently a vacant uh, land at the southwest corner of uh, John R. and Edmund Place. This is within the Crosswinds Woodward Place NEZ, which was established uh, way back in 1996, which in- includes a section of Brush Park. The developer is 112 Edmund Place Associates, who are represented today, which is the Robertson Brothers Homes and Terra Novus Development. Um, let's see. Oh, in two, 2021, the City Council approved a brownfield plan for this location, I believe. The proposal is for three-story built, new three-story um, bu- building that would have 16 for sale condominiums. The applicant put on their NEZ uh, C- certificate application that the cost per unit was about 165,000. They are also proposing 16 surface parking spaces at the rear of the building. This provides an overview of some of the square footage. So um, as I know, these are for sale units. Uh, I believe that the first floor would have 4 one story units on the first floor. Uh, unit know, one of four would be, be about 800 square feet each and unit two and three would be about 1400 square feet each. And then the 12, uh, the other 12 townhomes would be on the second and third floor They'd be two story units. Um, and those would be about 1600 square feet. This shows a a site plan of the project. Uh, John R. is on your right. Um, And then the buildings would face um, John R. then the 16 parking spaces are shown in the gray color on the back of the site. And then the the second and third floors would be the other uh, units five through 16, which would each have two stories. And then I, I believe a terrace on the roof. This shows a rendering of the proposed building. Um, I believe it's gone through extensive design review feedback from the planning department. Um, so that that concludes my overview, Mr. Chair. I can try to answer any questions, or turn it over to the uh, developer if you'd like.
2: Thank you, Mr. Gulak. Uh, I don't know if the developer wants to chime in. Uh,
11: through the chair, I'm Richard Barr. Tim Lawhorn has a short presentation and information, and he will also be able to answer any questions at your convenience
2: please receive.
12: Thank you. can you see my screen? Yes we can. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Tim Locker and I'm with Robertson Brothers Home 6905 Telegraph Road. Um, we uh, presented to you uh, with our A replace project a couple weeks ago so uh, we should be familiar in some respect. Uh, project is Edmund Place. Uh, again 112 Edmond is the address. Um, the project team as you can see here um, consists of Robertson homes and again Terra novas uh, same partnership as the Avery place uh, development in woodbridge a couple weeks ago at Avery and Merrick um, you know robertson we've done a, a lot of projects uh, most recently in uh, the city we've um, we're building the Pullman Park uh, development in Lafayette park we did the uh, what we call the Towns on the, the Corner Project of the Old Tiger Stadium in Corktown. Um, and we've got, uh, in addition to this, two more projects opening up soon in the city. Uh, Terra Terranovis is a Detroit-based developer. They've got separate projects as well in the city of Detroit. What was important to us was to have a extensive uh, neighborhood engagement. Um, you know, our partners and, and we have been working on this for several years. Um, we did purchase the site from the city of Detroit um, and uh, in doing so we've had uh, just numerous uh, um, uh, interactions with, uh, with the neighborhood, with the city. Um, and it's really kind of evolved into what you see here. Um, obviously we, we've got a lot of support as you can see from uh, some of the callers today and the letters that we have received. Um, and uh, that's really important to us. That's something that we really strive for. Um, This just, I'm not gonna (laughs) gonna go into all the detail on this, but uh, we just wanted to put down uh, all of the uh, touch points we've had um, really since since the beginning uh, of the project. Uh, In summary, um, and uh, I know that uh, Mr. Gulak had gone through this uh, uh, somewhat, but there's 16 total um, homes. Um, They are all for sale. Um, It's a redevelopment, it's a vacant, unutilized property. Um, There is some cleanup involved. Um, it's all owner occupied housing, and we will have several ADA accessible units, which is something I, I, I think is very important. And we're uh, proud to be able to provide for that. Um, the plan types are for sale stack ranches on the 1st floor and then townhomes above. We call it towns over flats. Um, and they range in size from uh, one bedroom starting at 629 square feet all the way up to uh, uh, 1,486 square feet for two bedroom townhomes. Each unit, which is very important, um, has a covered, um, uh, a dedicated covered space, and it's kind of unique. Part of the building extends over the parking spaces um, uh, to provide some some security and uh, um, you know cover for the vehicles. Just from a context plan, um, you can see where we're at in Brush Park. Um, Again, small site right at the corner. Um, This is the site plan. I know it's kind of difficult to see. This shows those parking spaces. There is a building that goes over that portion of the building that goes over that. So um, I can go in uh, more detail if uh, if you'd like. We'll have some landscaping along John R Street as well. And it is accessed off the alleyway. That is the uh, um, only access into the development each unit will have its own space. So we, you know, this is the uh, elevation. Uh, we we've been through many iterations. We went through the uh, um, you know, Brush Park neighborhood design um, uh, historic district. Um, you know, and, and have have come a long way with this. Originally, at some one point, I think I think we were up to seven stories. Um, just because of of costs and context, we brought it down to three stories. There are rooftop decks for the um, townhome um, units on the top. I think that's probably it. Um, just some materials that we're using. Um, Again, this went through the the full vetting of of the city. So, um, you know, I'm happy to answer any questions. I know Carlo can answer questions as well as uh, Mr. Barr. Thank you.
2: All right, thank you. Um, I have a quick question. So I I, I see cost per unit, I'm assuming $165,205. That's to build the unit?
12: Yeah, I, I have a different number um, in, in this. You know, obviously costs have gone up, so I don't know when those costs came down there. I'm, I'm showing two sixty-five. It is the cost to do the, of the development, the the building itself, and the units. That doesn't include any kind of site development prep. Um, so that's in addition to that.
2: And what are we yes, s- that is the cost. And what are we selling these units for?
12: Um, we are. Um, we will be starting in the three hundreds.
2: Okay, and cap. uh they will go idea of range i mean i know
12: you you say they go
2: from 800 square feet to 1400 square feet
11: yeah Uh,
12: i think our our pricing some of them will be and you know i don't have all the numbers right in front of me but i think it'll be somewhere in the the 600s so they do get up there a little bit those have uh, rooftop decks um, so the costs obviously go up because of that
2: okay members any questions chair recognizes member santiago romero
9: Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, still talking about cost, you mentioned you're going to have some ADA units. Um, yes. Do you have any idea what the cost will be for those? Yes.
12: Yeah, so those will actually be the um, um, more, in, uh, the, the more in- inexpensive um, units that will be on the first floor. So those are the smaller units. We have four ranches. Maybe I can show those on. This doesn't really show it, doesn't do it much justice, but the first floor is accessible. Um, there are 4 units on the 1st floor. Those are all our uh, 1 bedrooms at around 600 to 700 square foot. Um, so the ADA accessible units will be the, uh, uh more affordable units.
9: Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair.
12: Thank you. Chair recognizes vice chair.
13: Young. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for this excellent presentation, sir. I just wanted to ask just for clarification. So when you're saying affordable units, what are we talking about? Exactly what what's what what's what's your floor and what how 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 affordable will they be and and how expensive
12: could these departments possibly be just give me a range sure um yes i believe we're starting right around in, in the 360,000s um and then they range up to i think they're uh, you know they're probably upwards of the high 500,000s so there is there is a range
13: okay I I'm mean, I, I just I'm just trying to I'm just trying to figure out okay because because I, I, I mean am, am, am I getting this wrong in terms of affordable affordability like am I am I am I not understanding what you're saying because that doesn't really
12: sound well we we yeah we strive for attainable housing um, you know we haven't it's not an affordable housing project
14: okay
12: yeah yeah so we, uh, well, okay. We, yeah, okay,
13: I understand what you said. Okay, because I, I was like affordable. Like oh, oh, that's that sound <laughs> affordable. That don't, that don't sound affordable to me. I and mean, maybe I'm hearing that wrong, or there a new metric that I'm not understanding. All right. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate.
12: It. Sure, of course.
2: <laughs> and, and thank you. And we will note that these are for sale townhome units, correct? Um, right. uh, and not uh, involving rent. Right. So, um, uh, but with that, I appreciate the presentation. Uh, do we have a motion to send uh, line item five uh, Pardon me. Line item six point five to formal with a recommendation to approve. Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item six point five as walked on will be sent to formal with the recommendation to approve. Thank you very much, Mr. Barr. Thank you, Mr. Gulak. I'll be seeing you a little bit down in the agenda, so just hang on tight. Uh, Thank you. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, moving on into new business, we'll jump back <clears throat> to new business. Uh, from the Office of the Chief Financial Officer, line item 6.1, submitting a report relative to the financial report for the two months ended August thirty first, 2022. The Office of Chief Financial Officer respectfully submits his City of Detroit financial report for the two months ended August 31, 2022. The OCFO also publishes this, this report on the city's website. We've got Mr. Watson here. Uh, You'll be hanging around for the next item after this as well. Uh, Members, you have a motion to discuss line item 6.1. Motion. Okay, Uh, open for discussion. Uh, Mr. Watson, uh, please proceed, and if you can, be slightly brief. Uh, We've become become familiar with these as well, and these are available for the public to review, Uh, but noting that we have a 3 o'clock closed session as well as a big line item coming after this. So I want to try to keep it as brief as possible. Thank you. Please
15: proceed, Mr. wesson Thank you, uh, Mr. Chair. Um, uh, so this, this is our monthly financial report for the two months of the current fiscal year ending August 31st. Um, you know, as we've uh, gone over in previous months as well, this report includes budget versus actuals and projections uh, for the current fiscal year, employee account monitoring, um, income tax, uh, cash flows, and accounts payable. Um, For this particular report for the month of August, the most uh, significant update is that in the budget projections page, we have included the uh, increases in revenue estimates that were approved at the September Revenue Estimating Conference on September 12th. Um, uh, as we discussed at this, uh, before this committee a couple of weeks ago in greater detail, um, that included a net increase in the city's uh, estimated revenues of $42 million, uh, led primarily by the strength of the city's income tax. That same report also includes additional expenditure projections um, that uses up that additional revenue uh, from the proposed uh, police uh, collective bargaining agreements, which is the next line item we're going to discuss, as well as additional um, overtime expenses that are currently projected. Um, So again, what the report shows is that with that revenue increase from the revenue conference, we have enough revenues to cover the additional uh, cost of the proposed labor contracts for DPD, as well as... Uh, additional uh, projected overtime expenses that we're seeing uh, currently.
2: Okay, thank you, Mr. Watson. And just really quick, just give us a quick brief brief uh, brief synopsis again, just for the public of what has changed between July and August, or I'm not sorry, July and August, June and August. uh
15: yes. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. So. Uh, So as we've covered in some previous sessions, but happy to recap again here today, Uh, again, so on revenues, uh, income taxes are up uh, $45 million compared to when we adopted the budget back in the spring, uh, driven uh, by Uh, Growth in in jobs and businesses in the economy, as well as our efforts at collecting income taxes that are owed to the city in partnership with the state. Um, Property taxes are are, are up $11 million. Uh, Wagering taxes are down $15 million due to some uh, slack in activity uh, on-site at the city's casinos, but some of that's offset with gains in Internet gaming. Uh, state revenue sharing is up $13 million uh, due to uh, largely due to increases that were included in the enacted state budget, which we didn't have at the time we put this budget together. Uh, and some other revenues are net down uh, due to things like parking revenue is a little bit uh, weaker than we originally anticipated. But again, overall, a net increase of over $40 million to help us cover some of these uh, additional expenses. That that we're uh, projecting to see this year again the uh, increase, the proposed increases in in pay for uh, Detroit police officers, uh, plus additional overtime expenses that we're seeing at the police and fire departments.
2: Okay, thank you, thank you, Mr. Corley, You want to chime in or really quickly?
14: Uh, Thank you, Mr. Chair. Yes, known. No, nothing to add. Thank you. Thank, thank very much.
2: Okay, thank you, members. Any questions? Line item six point one. Okay, hearing none, is there a motion to receive and file line item 6.1? Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Thank you, Mr. Watson. Moving on to our next uh, item. From the Office of the Chief Financial Officer, Office of Budget, line item 6.2, submitting a resolution of authorization, fiscal year 2022-23, budget amendment for police department. The administration is requesting a fiscal year 2022-2023 Budget amendment to provide supplemental appropriations to the police department totaling $22.6 million. This has been referred to our committee. Uh, members do have a motion to discuss line item 6.2. Motion. Uh, we will open it up for discussion. Uh, joining us today, we have uh, again Mr. Watson, uh, Mr. Hakeem Berry from DPD, uh, as well as our chief, uh, should be joining us online. So please promote the chief. Good afternoon, Uh, Mr. Berry, Mr. Watson, and, of course, our chief, Chief White. Good afternoon. Good afternoon,
11: honorable
2: And so who would like to start first on line item 6.2, letting the public know what this is uh, and going through it? I I will say I know we we want to uh, keep it uh, germane to the topic uh, as well as, you know, relative to the finances uh, of this line item as well but uh, please proceed anytime you're ready.
16: Uh, I will start it off if that's okay with everyone uh, through the chair Um, and I'll be very brief and then we can get into the economics Uh, before uh, council are the proposed labor contracts between the lieutenants and sergeant's association and the Detroit police officers association. Some of the biggest issues uh, that face the department, uh, the police department relate to its personnel. These include recruiting, um, you know, it's tough in law enforcement right now around the country to recruit. We do a pretty good job at it, uh, but it's it's still a challenge right now for a number of reasons. Uh, a lot of people are choosing to leave law enforcement. Uh, a lot of people uh, post-George Floyd have made different career decisions inside of law enforcement. Uh, the relationships with communities across the country uh, it needs work. Uh, the image of law enforcement has changed considerably uh, since 9-11. Um, so there's a lot going on. And then... Candidly, there are people who have made different career decisions since COVID uh, where they want uh, a a less um, restrictive, more time with their family type profession. Our issues specific to Detroit evolve around recruiting, uh, retention, uh, and our retention issues are born out of our ability to compete with suburban counterparts. Agencies that pay more uh, for talent, pay more uh, for officers who Uh, have the requisite experience of a Detroit police officer. By way of example, uh, the Detroit Police Department in 2021 responded to 278,233 police runs. Already this year in 2022, we've responded to 244,159 and that was when I printed this out this morning. It's probably obviously significantly more than that. Uh, Well, not significantly more, but certainly more. Uh, When we talk about what those runs look like, we have had this year 256 Homicides, uh, we have had 540 sexual assaults uh, and 8,744 aggravated assaults uh, and 806 nonfatal shootings. Now, what may surprise you is all categories that I've just discussed represent a significant decrease in crime over last year. Uh, with the exception of homicides, and we're slightly up with homicides by 2%, but every other category we are down in uh, significantly. But what that tells us is that even with the significant reductions in crime, uh, the the requirement for a police officer to be ready, uh, to be professional, uh, and to be available uh, remains unchanged because of the, the the types of numbers that you're seeing. That is also very appealing to our suburban counterparts, and that's why our officers are being highly recruited around the country, the other issues and and around the state, but also around the country. The other issue that uh, impacts us, uh, and that we're that we are certainly concerned about is officer performance. Uh, We want to make sure that we maintain a high level of professional uh, police presentation, uh, performance and professionalism. And also, uh, when we put this package together, we we took into account our discipline protocols, Uh, how they impact future supervision, uh, and a number of other things uh, born out of the concerns that the community has, as well as this council. The department's aim throughout the negotiating process was to work toward putting together a contract that would help resolve all of these issues. The the, uh, proposed contracts include pay increases to help us attract, retain uh, our quality candidates, the ability to recoup training costs. Uh, we, We have identified a number of agencies uh, in this area, this region, that use us basically uh, as their academy. Uh, the the contract took uh, some some real strong uh, protocols in place to ensure that we get our money back. If you choose to recruit our candidate within that two-year time frame, you pay us back uh, because our taxpayers, our citizens are paying to put our officers through the academy, and we deserve to reap the rewards of doing so. Uh, also, the opportunity for lateral transfers, what we identified it. Uh, with other agencies is that these officers from other agencies are able to lateral to agencies around the state. We did not have that provision. Uh, The current contract uh, contains that provision. Uh, We've made some modifications to the disciplinary process to ensure that we're holding our members accountable. We're certainly going to celebrate good policing, but there's going to be accountability uh, when someone crosses the line or operates below the standard of this agency. Uh, What I just spelled out are the ingredients for world-class police agency. Uh, they will garner respect or this will garner respect from other agencies uh, and as well as from our members uh, to say that our members deserve appreciation is truly an understatement. When you, when you look at the numbers that I've just given you all and you just look at the day to day work that we all do, uh, it is incredible that these officers uh, show up, uh, do what they do every day uh, and, and certainly show up tomorrow. Uh, and their only thank you is that they get to do it again the next day. Um, it is, I won't say thankless because we have a community that supports us uh, and we have a community by, in large part that appreciates us and appreciates our presence, uh, but law enforcement in general is certainly not as as, as a uh, supportive position as it once was. These pay increases are certainly substantial, but I would argue that they are a substantial investment in our officers, which are important. I would submit to council that we cannot afford not to invest uh excuse the double negative but we can't afford not to invest in our officers it's imperative uh, that they feel supported it's imperative that we invest in quality professional policing the the city deserves quality candidates and our officers uh i believe have earned already these pay raises and i'm closing real quickly i just want to make sure i hit all these points uh they've demonstrated their commitment uh last year the department spent approximately 50 million dollars in officer overtime overtime is not the solution to deployment. It cannot be, it cannot be. Uh, I would also argue that uh, though these raises are significant, uh, it puts us in line with other agencies of similar size. Uh, and certainly we are off the charts when it comes to uh, run answer, or runs that are being answered. Uh, but I would also argue, uh, if, though I can't guarantee it, logic seems to bear out that if we, if we fill the 300 open positions uh and we have officers available to respond to runs then mandatory overtime will drop and that 50 million dollars can be used to support and fund uh the dollars uh needed for these raises uh so we're going to be filling open vacancies uh we're going to maintain the appropriate uh uh give the officers the opportunity to maintain an appropriate work-life balance when you have a healthy officer a professional officer a well-trained officer uh a, su- uh a sufficiently paid officer you're going to see a reduction uh in those incidents that cause officers to make those poor decisions uh you're, i would argue that you're going to see across the board benefits such as a reduction in lawsuits uh, a reduction in citizens complaints because officers aren't working 16 hours uh and you're also going to see uh, and and it's going to be required and it's already required but certainly new protocols uh with our supervision to make sure that we do have uh officer accountability our members work uh, our members are watching closely uh, to this proceeding. Uh, we we have heard from this council uh, how they appreciate the officer's work, and it is my hopes uh, that we're able uh, to move this forward today. Thank you for the opportunity to present to the council.
2: Thank you, Chief White. And uh, I don't know if you'll stick around for members uh, member questions after um, uh, Mr. Watson or Mr. Berry, uh, but, but would love for you to do that um mr watson or mr Berry, uh, who would like to proceed
1: give it to mr watson this is all finance
2: okay
15: mr watson please proceed thank you mr chair um so uh so the item before the council today is a uh, or to the committee today is a budget amendment uh, to increase the police department's uh budget in the current fiscal year by 22.6 million dollars um, that is the amount that would be necessary to add to the police department's budget to cover the anticipated cost increase from these proposed collective bargaining agreements um, that the chief just uh walked through uh here today um that increase in the budget is fully paid for with the additional revenues uh, approved at the revenue estimating conference in september that i discussed in my previous report uh as we look ahead on the fiscal impact of, of the of these proposed pay changes um, as noted earlier, um, you know, this will be an additional cost every year. As the chief said, it, it is a substantial raise cause that's what's necessary, but I'm pleased to report that because of the revenue increase that was approved in September, there is, uh, enough resources to fully pay for this five year contract between the revenue increases, which cover the bulk of it money that we had already included in the approved city budget for pay raises. Uh, as well as uh, future overtime savings, as the chief described, um, as the police department is able to finally fill um, its remaining vacancies and fully staff up um, uh, their workforce.
2: Okay. Thank you, Mr. Watson. Uh, we will go to members' questions. Uh, I, I will, and, and do have a statement, I will say that, um, you know, oftentimes when we speak about public safety, uh, we talk about. Uh, recruitment. We talk about retention, particularly with uh, the, the Detroit Police Department. It's it's been like that for a while now, and I can attribute some of that to the fact that uh, our officers are not paid commensurate to other municipalities, just not around uh, the state of Michigan, but even around the country. Uh, and so that leads into my question: What does this raise look like now? How competitive are we to other municipalities? not only uh, in the state of Michigan, but even around the country uh, when we have the ability to raise the pay of our officers to attract more talent, to get folks here uh, who want to come get this world-class training, and hopefully they stay when they get this world-class training. Where does this put us uh, relative to the raises?
16: Uh, I'll start, um, and Mr. Bear, if you want to jump in. we 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 did... uh, some very extensive research around the country but we also uh wanted to solve for who's draining our resource and so we we took an opportunity to look at who's pulling our officers and we knew that oakland uh county sheriff's department was a primary draw uh, and we we also knew um well, there was a few others but oakland was was really uh, the primary uh followed by uh, at a close second uh, Warren, uh pd uh, and, and so what we looked at was, what was the draw? We looked at the exit interviews and almost 90% of them, and that's, that's thats I'm gonna say over 90%, but I'm comfortable with 90% at the exit interview. It was an economic move, uh, solely economics. In fact, the opportunities in Detroit were significantly greater than both of those agencies as far as moving around was concerned, uh, but it was the economics that drew them. And so we wanted to be in line with them uh, we wanted to present a, a robust package of to the officers, uh, because almost to a person, the officers indicated if it were not for the money, uh, I would have stayed with DPD. Uh, and that has bared out as true, uh, with the number of officers that I've seen since, uh, the unions have ratified trying to come back. We're at 13, since we've ratified, uh, that have requested to come back. I uh, I w I would like to, um, give you some context with this, and I'm going to just give you, uh, a paraphrase, summarized uh, letter I received from a member uh, asking to come back. And in in that letter, he says, unfortunately, I was compelled to resign from the city of Detroit as a police officer earlier uh, this year. This was the hardest choice I've had to make due to financial constraints. With a wife and three children, it was difficult uh, to live off a two-week paycheck without working overtime and sacrificing time with family. Uh, Goes on to talk about how this new uh, collective bargaining agreement allows him Uh, to return to a city that he loves a a community that he's committed to and a department that he wants to work for uh, and support his family and have that uh uh, you know work-life balance that all of us deserve uh so it it, to answer your question sir it puts us in line with those agencies uh most closely to us that are pulling from us uh we're 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 competitive around the country But when we took a deeper dive into that, uh, you know, when you when you're within a thousand or two thousand dollars, it's you're not going to see people choose to pick up and leave a a state for two thousand dollars. They may do it for ten thousand dollars, but statistically that just didn't bear out that they were doing it for two thousand. But we certainly were seeing officers leave Detroit for those two agencies that that I've just represented uh, or presented uh, for five to seven to eight thousand dollars. And this this puts us right in line with them.
2: And so uh, let me ask, what is the starting pay of a DPD police officer when they come in?
11: The current or the, uh, uh, Mr. Chair,
16: are you asking the current or the proposed under the contract? The the former,
2: uh, not under the, well, well, we're going to get to that, but, uh, you know, uh, what, because it has not passed yet, but as of, you know, the date of this today. 42,795. 42,000. Wow. I, I don't know if I would go be a police officer for $42,000, but um, and, and what are we looking at relative to the increase?
11: Uh, Mr. Chair, what we've done, we, we've we've uh, gave a different
16: uh, pay schedule. So we went and looked at this, um, and as a chief uh, so plainly put, we really looked at where we were losing our folks to and you know we matched that up with the market data but we we developed a whole different schedule so we have a starting rate for trainees and cadets and what we're trying to do is put incentives to stay with the department so there is a starting rate of uh, that's proposed at about $45,000 and that's when you are a cadet and in training upon graduation you then move to 53,000 and then to proceed up over a four year uh, a progression schedule to the top pay of seventy three thousand. And what I was, if saying- I may, if I may, sir, I just want no, uh, to I'm sorry to cut you off, uh, but I just want to highlight uh, for you is part of that was also being fiscally responsible and recognizing that we lose a number of candidates in the academy, and so to incentivize graduation, we said let's give them that big bump. The moment they walk across the stage, they jump to fifty three, as opposed to losing those dollars during training. And 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 we're one of the few agencies in the state that pay you while you're attending academy. So forty, what is it? Forty two, forty four thousand dollars. Though not a lot, it's certainly what we were paying our officers the first year prior to well, right now until this this contract has moved forward.
2: And that is that. And, and that was my general concern. I and mean, thank you, uh, Chief, as well. As a hakeem for answering that, uh, those questions because that is a concern. That's what we hear from residents all the time. Uh, we have folks come here, they get our world class training, they get the opportunity to respond to priority ones or things that they would never be able to respond to in other municipalities and get that training. Uh, and so, and then they leave. Uh, because of the pay. And so taxpayers look at it as if there's taxpayer dollars going away because we've given them the training, but we don't have them here to protect us and be part of our public safety system. So I'm glad that we're thinking that way uh, relative to the pay scale uh, and and the schedule uh, and uh, very supportive of this. uh, And and thank you for this as well, uh, Chief White. Uh, Members, do we have any other questions? Chair recognizes Member Santiago Romero.
9: Thank you, Mr. Chair, and thank you all so much for this work. Um, I have been someone that has been looking forward to these conversations, um, to come to a conclusion for us to have an updated contract. I'm happy to see that we have that. I'm happy to see that we do have pay raises uh, for officers. Completely agree um, that the, the quality of officers really does depend on the quality of pay. Um, all of us, we get what we pay for, and that includes the quality of, of, of service that we receive um from all aspects but i do want to ask that we bring this item back Um, this is not to to not support this item this is because lpd has sent over a series of questions um, that i believe need to be replied to before moving this forward it's it's due diligence quite frankly Um, and hoping to get those responses sooner rather than later for us to move this forward but this was something that was requested um, through the department and something that I think we should do as well. So just wanted to say thank you so much for the work that you've been doing. It's good to see the increase in pay, but we do have some questions. There are some questions that I believe need to be answered um, before we move forward. Uh, but with that, Mr. Chair, thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Member Santiago Romero. And I will go on record saying that uh, I do not support a bring back uh, for uh, this line item, uh, I do understand that it, IOS brought back uh, their line item earlier, but that was based off of questions that could have been, they wanted to know questions answered uh, in the budget finance and audit standing committee. I do understand that we have uh, Mr. Corley online as well, if he wants to chime in based off of some of the questions that we have uh, relative to this item.
14: Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um it is commendable that the city of Detroit is attempting to raise up police officers' salaries to be commensurate with surrounding communities. Um, that's understandable, um, and it's and it's understandable to do our best to retain officers and to attract officers, uh, even with lateral moves. That that would be that would be wonderful. However, this is a substantial cost to the city's general fund, if the city council approves these labor contracts. The first year of cost is $40 million. um, And that's going to grow to $87 million per year by the fifth year, fiscal 2027. The lion's share of the sources is from um, income tax revenue. And so we have uh, many questions regarding income tax revenue, we think in general, uh, it is a uh a, a strong source of revenue um, but there are some components of it that are on the softer side um and so we have some questions about that um we have some questions about the fiscal impact statement uh not only is the um 40 to 87 million dollar cost is going to be uh, supported by income tax revenues. going to be supported also by the already budgeted 3% increase in police salaries. But the numbers that they have there look to be beyond 3%. So we just want some estimation about that. We also have questions about the uh, potential savings from overtime, you know, given that if, if we're able to uh, fill vacancies, uh, we understand there's 300 vacancies um, in the police ranks right now. Um, so if you work to fill those and attract, you know, more officers, obviously you're going to cut down on overtime, which is which is very necessary, you know, according to what the chief is saying about uh, our officers, you know, make, you know, working too much overtime at times. Um, so given the imports, oh, and then also, I'm sorry, we also have questions about the contract itself. You know, Mr. Berry alluded to the fact that, you know, I believe the police chief as well that market studies have been done. They have looked at other communities. We feel that councils should, should see those market studies uh, or at least a spreadsheet or a chart that shows what those competing salaries are. And if that can be embellished by, you know, what uh, salaries are being offered, starting salaries at cities of of sizable population, that would be even, even better. But we get it. You know, the majority of the officers that are leaving are primarily leaving to... Uh, surrounding you know uh, police departments uh, in Michigan, um, so we'd like to see those studies. You know, for council, we just feel we got thirty-six questions, uh, Mr. Chair. Given the import of this, given given the cost of the general fund, we we just feel that city council should receive responses to those thirty-six questions that cover again the budget amendment that covers the fiscal impact statement as well as uh, portions of the contracts themselves. Um, and um, we would appreciate if council would consider bringing this back in the week. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Mr. Corley. Uh, Mr. Watson, would you like to respond?
15: Uh, I'm happy to, but I think that the chief has his hand up. I'll, I'll defer to him oh, first. Sorry. I didn't see the chief, Chief
2: White.
16: Yeah, uh, thank you, uh, Chair. And uh, again, I appreciate uh, Mr. Corley uh, has uh, presented, but I would also uh, ask that we move this forward and my staff is prepared to work uh, through the weekend to make sure that council has the answer to the 36 questions that they have asked. Um, you know, I, I, I do want to put into context uh, the the proposed budget uh, increases that this represents. If you just take the average officer, the average officer, not the rookie officer, not the most senior. So these numbers will be actually lessened. Uh, and you were to just take the $60,000 that the average officer makes, and you were to add to that the fringe benefit package, which will put us at approximately $90,000, I have 300 openings in the Detroit Police Department. The officers that I have remaining, many of them are working double shifts three to four times a week. So, So you can technically call that another officer. But if you just simply take rough math, back of the envelope math, you're looking at a, a $90,000 police officer which is the average officer when you put the french package in uh that's approximately with open positions alone is, is approximately $27 million. You also add to that I have a 50 I'm 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 going to hit $50 million in overtime this year. 50 million. So you're talking $77 million uh with open positions and 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 and, and certainly uh with overtime and one fiscal year. Now I'm not presenting to this council uh, or or trying to characterize that as a zero sum where we would zero that out. But if you were just to take 50% of it or 40%, and I think you could also look at the fact that if we were to fill these open positions, which would be uh, doable now because you have a competitive salary. And when we're looking at averaging 13 officers a month, that's trying to come back to the department plus an additional 30 to 35 in the academy. And you're able to compete with the warrants in the Oaklands of the world, you're going to see, in a very short uh, order, a a fully staffed Detroit Police Department. What does that look like? A fully staffed police department means you don't have people who are burnout. You have officers who are patrolling our neighborhoods. You have officers who feel supported, are happy to patrol the neighborhood. They're not tired. They have a work-life balance. Your citizens' complaints go down. Your lawsuits will go down. Accidents will go down because your officers aren't so tired. Uh, There's just so many benefits, some that I can articulate and some that we'll never be able to measure at paying a a livable, workable wage for officers. Uh, And many of those benefits come from the the home life that they will be able to acquire uh, by being able to see their families and not having to work uh, 16 hours a day to make ends meet. Uh, So those divorces that don't happen, uh, those relationships with children. Uh, that will benefit from that. There's just so much to this that goes beyond the economic benefit, but the economic benefit is such that I can assure you that the the funding that we are asking for would would, would pay dividends for the city, as well as for the department, as well as for the officers. But in th- the biggest uh, benefit of it will be the reduction in overtime. There's no way we're going to run a $50 million overtime budget. Uh, that and, and I'm going to stop there, but I, I do want to just illustrate something. We don't get to call a timeout in the police department. So I have to fill those cars. Those cars have to make those runs. So regardless of of whether we, we do this or not, those cars will have to be filled. And if we don't have a competitive wage to hire and to retain, then the only way to get there is through overtime that's the only way and that's that's probably the worst choice so we we need to have a a a process in place that benefits all involved and certainly benefits the city this is a significant investment in, in this police department but it's the same investment that the police department makes in, t- in the community and I think if if both sides are making the investment we all stand the win and in closing uh if you were to look at the 50 million dollars, that uh, we are scheduled to spend this year uh, at the attrition rate of 25 a month and the higher rate of approximately 20 a month and a 10 person deficit each month. That number is scheduled to, to increase by 20% next year. This time,
2: Mr. Watson, I see you had your hand raised.
15: Uh, yes. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, I just wanted to echo the the chiefs uh, uh, comments just now. Uh, Again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, with the income tax increase approved at the Less Revenue Conference, you know, there's uh, the resources available to cover the cost of this contract. To be conservative in our forecast, you know, we we didn't rely on uh, the overtime savings the Chief mentioned until future years. Um, certainly, to the extent that that happens sooner, um, you know, this, is, this uh, is even more fully funded. Again, uh, the forecast we have here for the fiscal impact is very conservative, and yet still, even with that, is is fully paid for with the resources on the table. With respect to the um, uh, to Mr. Corley's questions, uh, we received those a little after nine a.m. this morning. We've already started working on responses, and we're uh, eager to get those back to. Uh, to him and this honorable body as soon as possible. Uh, But as the chief asked to, um, you know, we we respectfully ask that uh, this item be uh, moved out of committee today, um, uh, if it pleases this body.
2: Okay, thank you. Uh, Mr. Corley, uh, we'll let you chime in and then we're gonna
14: move forward uh, after that. Thank you so much, um, Mr. Chair. So just real quick. So um, this proposal is basically capturing um, the projected growth that came out of the September 2022 Revenue Estimating Conference, the, the lion's share of that is the income tax growth, of course. So I just want to say that uh, if this were to move forward, and I understand why, you know, it's, I understand why. But if this were to move forward, that means we have less wiggle room, and I think that's obvious, in the budget for other um, increasing costs. Uh, we know that there's, there's going to be other uh, uh, labor union um, discussions um, in the next uh, uh, couple years or so. Um, we also understand that we have a pension cliff you know, issue that's coming up um, uh, starting next fiscal year. The original, uh, well, in, in the current four-year budget, the pension cliff was at $135 million. It's now projected to be $160 million um, because of poor investment returns um, in the pension systems uh so we you know this is a substantial cost it is going to reduce the wiggle room that we have to uh, address other items that are also important to the city so i just wanted to say that but i look forward to the responses and thank you so much
2: okay thank you mr corley uh what i will chime in and say is uh if we are to move this out here today uh it still has to come before formal on tuesday today is wednesday Uh, It's still six days, or if not, to get those questions answered. What I will say, uh, relative to Mr. Watson and OCFO's office, as well as DPD, it would be my hope that you get those answers to those questions uh, to Mr. Corley, LPD, as well as members expeditiously, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, and and not late. uh, But with that, uh, again, I would like to move this forward, noting that in iOS, again, that is brought back one week, so there is still a possibility on Tuesday we may not be where we need to be. But I don't want to kick the can down the roll. Uh, and that being said, uh, do I have
13: a motion? Oh, you, Okay, go ahead, Vice Chair Young. Chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, thank you so much for this presentation, everyone. Good to see all of you guys here. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, um, Officer White, how many officers are you losing? Um, I think you losing like an officer a day. I think it's like 28 officers a week. How many more officers have you lost this year compared to last year? And what will this do in order to help um, kind of stave that off? And do you have a projection of exactly where you would actually be able to see stability or growth after this passes in the police department? uh through the chair
16: uh we have lost 270 officers uh since january 270 officers Uh, to provide some context for you we're hiring 30 uh this month actually uh yep 30 uh start friday Uh, it'll take six months to train them and they'll hit the streets in in about six to seven months uh and and before their season uh and can operate independent of a trainer uh, you're probably looking at another six months. So about a year before an officer is available uh, and really still a rookie, but can can sort things out and find uh, her way or his way uh, to police runs uh, without assistance type thing. Um, so it's a very complex issue. We're averaging uh, an attrition rate of approximately 24 a month, just over 20 a month. Uh, just give you some examples. In January, we lost 30. Uh, February 18, uh, March 21, April 23, May 23, June 35, lion's share going to Oakland uh, and other agencies, July 29, August 37, September 33, October 21. Now, what happened in October to drop the number to 21? The unions, both the the. Detroit Police Officers Association and the Lieutenant and Sergeants Association ratified their contracts. And you saw a significant reduction when you go from 30 in January, 37 in August, 33 in September, you drop down to 21. Uh, I've already got one retention on, on resignation from a sergeant today and I have 13, dear chief, can I come back to DPD letters on my desk? So that's the impact of a ratified agreement and so, when you talk about the expectation, uh, the, you're going to see this across the board over over time. Where we're already scheduled to come in at our lowest uh, attrition rate uh, by virtue of just getting a ratified agreement. This will only increase over the months.
13: Okay, and um, th- th- thank you for that, Chief. I appreciate it, Mr. Corley. Um, I just wanted to ask you, uh, great job as always, man. I, 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 when I woke up this morning and put on my socks, I did not think I would see 36 questions from you like this. But uh, I appreciate the work that you're doing, sir. Uh, I, I just wanted to ask you, are you basically telling us that this will put us in a fiscal position where we, it would be more difficult for us to be able to pay our financial obligations in terms of the pensions? In terms of other costs, is this something that potentially we could be deficit in a deficit spending? My my, my, my real concern is I, I I want these increases, we need these increases to retain these officers, and I want to move on this shortly because we need more officers because people are losing their lives literally as we speak. But I don't want to put ourselves in a situation long term where we could be if they could be fiscally problematic. Cause we don't know. I don't, I don't want to get too political here, but we don't know the political situation and we already went through an emergency manager and there's some people who thought that that was a little bit heavy-handed. Are you saying, I'm not saying this would do that, but I'll say, are you saying potentially long-term, could we be in the situation where that could be a possibility?
14: Mr. Chair?
2: Yes, proceed, Mr. Corley.
14: Yeah, you know, as I indicated earlier, this reduces the wiggle room, you know, for you to do other things. We know there's gonna be other labor contracts coming before you within the next two or three years. We do have the pension clause um, pension costs. Now, let me reiterate or remind the council, we do have a retiree protection fund. Right. It's gonna mitigate that pension cost. So let me let me be fair. Right. Um, and we're looking to have about 460 million. In that retirement protection fund, uh, so that's going to help us pay half, about half of that 160 million. Um, but that 460 million reduces over 10 years, and so by year 10, that full obligation is going to be a cost to the uh, general fund, unless there's going to be some other sources of monies to put money back into the uh, retirement Retention plan. Um
13: Ms. Corley, I'm sorry. All, I'm sorry, just yeah. wanna make sure I got the correct. You say it's a hundred and sixty million dollar cost, because I thought it was gonna be a two hundred and two million dollar cost once we get to that cliff.
14: Yeah, that and, was that was based on um through the chair, that was based on you know prior
1: um, okay.
14: estimates. Okay. So these are based on the on the latest estimates.
13: Okay, so it's going down. Well, that's good. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ms. Yeah. Corley, I'm
14: sorry. Now now hopefully the upside would be that we will not enter into a recession, a heavy recession, because as you know, um, when, right. young, when the country sneezes, the you know, Detroit catches pneumonia. Right. So, that, so let's hope we do not have a major recession going into next year. Let's hope that the economic uh, development projects continue to occur. I've seen a lot of projects going through the planning and economic development committee that uh, Chair, Councilman Chair Derharth sits on. So he, he can attest to this as well. So, so the more economic development projects we see, the more jobs will be generated. Hopefully the more citizens will go through workforce development and, and so, you know, they can have jobs. So the more jobs we see, more income taxes will be generated that will hopefully mitigate this. But if you just look at it right now, this proposal will basically eat up the estimated increase in revenue based on the September uh conference, revenue conference and so i'm just saying that you know the, the wiggle room that we have um it, it's going to be uh, uh substantially reduced now will we go back into a uh, deficit spending situation will we go back into uh, bankruptcy no that's not going to happen okay that's not going to happen or emergency management or emergency manager no that's not gonna happen right okay we 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 we, we got the frc still around for another you know, five years or so, four or five years. And even when the FRC goes away, state law and also our our city co our, our our city coal, our charter, has the requirement to do these you know, biannual revenue um, estimates, you know, revenue on conference estimates. Right. And traditionally, those estimates are based on conservative assumptions. Uh, but you can you can argue. That maybe our assumptions have been maybe too conservative. I will agree to that. But now we're looking to grab that those potential increases for this admirable, commendable, but costly proposal. Okay, thank
13: I, you. I, I, I had a question about the FRC, but but I'll but I ask that later. Uh, m- m- this is my final question, Mr. Watson. Um, <laughs> I, I don't expect you to have this now, but. And if I talk to the wrong person, I apologize. But do we have an estimate of overall of all the economic development projects that we have coming before the city, and how much tax revenue that would potentially generate in the future and jobs as well? Do we have a Do we have a a ten thousand foot overview of that?
15: Uh, through the Chair to Member Young. Uh, so not in front of me right now. We've done that kind of analysis in the past and we'd be happy to work on an update of it. When we Please. issue our long-term forecast report, we usually bake those kinds of things in. But but the point should be taken that uh, when we do our revenue conference estimates that are the basis for this budget amendment, we don't we don't look into the future and guess what's coming or count on things that aren't shovel ready or in the ground. So that's all upside on the revenues in the future to the extent there's more development in the city. And so that's why we're confident that our revenue estimates that are the basis for the item
13: today are are still very conservative. And rightfully so, sir. Thank you, Mr. Chair.
2: Thank you, you, member vice chair. And I will just push back a little bit. I'm a budget guy too, and so when we talk about revenues, I I do think it needs to be stated uh, since we've had these these, uh, discussions in the past couple weeks that the revenue that we are talking about that limits, quote-unquote, our wiggle room is also revenue that was not anticipated that we would have had. And so I I think when we talk about our budget, and I do understand and respectfully understand, uh, Mr. Corley, what you're saying, uh, this was not money that we even anticipated. Uh, and as budgets become, and budgets are very fluid, uh, particularly relating to government, uh, as these budgets are very fluid and we have different levels of revenue coming in, there are, uh, which is why I support it, there, when there are opportunities to do things that we've been meaning to do uh, and then we have that income to be able to do that and income that we didn't expect, then I support projects and, and push that forward. Uh, But, again, what I would state is, uh, you know, moving this forward today doesn't mean uh, that the train is leaving the station all the way. It still has to come before formal. Uh, That's one. And, again, I I would hope respectfully that you, uh, um, DPD, as well as the OCFO, get the answer to these 36 questions uh, as expeditiously uh, expeditiously as possible. Uh, That being said, do I have a motion on the floor? Discussion. Uh, uh, chair recognizes member Santiago Romero.
9: Thank you, Mr. And, chair. And we
2: will wrap up discussion after this.
9: That is totally fine by me. I just do need to state that um, we are sitting in the budget and On uh, finance and audit committee. Um, the funding that you mentioned that we did not expect means that we can't continue to expect that it will come. Um, I, if we move this forward, I, I understand that I will be voted. Uh, uh, my motion to bring this back in one week will be voted down, so I won't make that motion. Um, but i will be an objection only because not because i don't support this i wholeheartedly support this but because it's important in my mind to follow a process that allows us to do our jobs with as much time as we need this item and io has already been held back so i still don't understand why we can't move forward together towards approving this collectively um that is that is my my only my only statement here is that i just i feel the need that we need to give ourselves the time to do our due diligence to answer these questions to make sure that we're doing this to the best of our abilities um and i do not feel as if um i do not feel if we move this forward without getting those uh questions answered that it is the best thing that we can do so just without a surprise just letting everybody know that i will be an objection of of moving this forward not because i don't support it but because i want to give us the time that we need to answer those questions because frankly more questions will come i'm sure um but with that thank you thank you mr chair
2: and thank you, Member Santiago Romero. Again, everybody's voting. I, I respect that. I know you are a champion for public safety, but I do know, again, there's opportunities for these questions to come up at formal. So, with that, uh, do we have a motion to send line item 6.2 to formal with the recommendation to approve? Uh, Mr. Chair, glad to say
14: something. But-
13: and then we move it up on, it's, it's not a question, I just want to make a comment. Discuss, you yeah. know. It'd be super quick. And, and, and I just wanted to say uh, to everybody here, if this is something where we don't have the answers to these questions when it comes to formal, I will be making a motion to hold this back myself. So I just want everybody to be clear about this. These these questions need to be answered. And I will do everything within my power to make sure this does not move until they are. Okay? All right.
2: Thank you, Vice Chair. Yager. Uh, There there is a motion on the floor to send line item 6.2 to formal with the recommendation to approve. Motion. Are there any objections? Objection. The clerk note. Objection. Member Santiago Romero.
7: Local
3: soul note. Mr. Chair, thank you.
2: Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, That motion passes. Line item 6.2 will be sent to formal with the recommendation to approve. Uh, And just a final afterthought, please, please send uh, the answers to those questions as expeditiously as possible. I share the sentiments of Member Young as well uh when it comes to us at the table thank you
16: thank you and council my commitment is my team will work uh throughout the weekend to make sure that those answers are there uh as early as friday no later than monday
2: okay thank you very much uh chief uh thank you mr watson uh and uh mr barry all right thank you thank you next we move to line item 6.3 from the office of the city clerk planning commission Uh, submitting a resolution of authorization for a neighborhood enterprise zone certificate application for the rehabilitation of a single-family house at 1242 Fisher in the East Village Amended Neighborhood Enterprise Zone area. The CPC has recommended approval uh, for this Uh, and has received an application requesting an NEZ certificate for the rehabilitation of a single-family house at 1242 Fisher. Mr. Gulak, good to see you again. Good
10: afternoon. Uh, Chris Gulak, CPC LPD staff. Uh, We're also joined by the uh, applicant, Mr. Robert Gregory, who's on the screen. Um, Mr. Chair, I have a brief, I have a few slides um, reviewing this request. Uh, Permission to go over that now?
2: Yes, sir. Please proceed. Uh, If we can grant uh, Mr. Gulak sharing capabilities, that would be appreciated.
14: Okay.
10: Yes, this is an easy request for a a house um, at 1242 Fisher. Uh, Sorry, this slide shows the location, it's on the east side of Fisher, a few blocks north of East Jefferson, just east of uh, Indian Village. This is, uh, I believe this is the um, front of the house. Uh, It's a two-story brick building. And we received a request. This is in the east village amended NEZ, which was established back in 2005. Uh, The petitioner who has joined us um, is Robert Gregory. Uh, He purchased the home for his primary residence in recently in June of 2022. Um, He's proposing to do a renovation work on the house. Um, the ant- anticipated cost of rehab is about $40,000. This includes replacing the flooring, electrical work, replacing the kitchen, plumbing work. Um, so the petitioner um, is asking for NAZ certificate of rehab, which, which I believe uh, freezes the uh, value of the home to prior to the uh, rehab work being done. Um, so that concludes my overview. I can answer any questions or turn it over to Mr. Gregor if he has any other comments.
2: Does the developer have any questions? Is that no? Yes, Mr. Gregory.
17: No, sorry for me. No questions. Nope. Nope. Nothing okay. further from me. Happy, happy to answer any questions.
2: Okay, uh, members, do we have any questions on line item six point three? Chair recognizes Vice Chair
13: Young. I have a question, Mr. Gregory. I just want to say I feel like I, yep. I, I have to help you because I live right around that area, man. So uh, I look forward to seeing that, and, uh, and uh, we yeah. appreciate you, sir. Yeah, thank you. Come stop by. <laughs> uh,
2: Mr. Gre- <laughs> Mr. Gregory, <laughs> what, what does parking look like relative uh, to Is this a single-family home? Is it a driveway? Is there a garage? Uh, what does this look like uh, for this single-family home?
17: Yeah. So, um, there's no garage, I would say kind of no, no real driveway. I'm actually right in front of the house right now. I just got back from the airport. So apologies for the, for the, uh, for the phone in here. Um, but what we did have, there was when we bought the house, there was a car pad in the back, the Hosmer street, basically dead ends into the back of our house. So we were able to resod the back, built, a built a gate in the back so we can pull up our cars onto that. Um, onto that car pad, around one car can fit back there. Um, I'm currently parked in front of the house right now. Um, So that's kind of what we've been doing, myself and my fiance, who also is here. Okay.
2: Uh, Any further questions? Okay, hearing none, uh, do we have a motion to send line item 6.3 to formal with the recommendation to approve?
13: Motion.
4: Okay,
2: hearing no objection, line item 6.3 will be sent to formal with the recommendation to approve. And members, I believe that concludes our agenda today. With the exception of member reports, the chair recognizes, uh, pardon me.
3: Discussion. Pardon Mr. Me. Chair, did you miss
2: 6.4? I was just going back to that. Thank you, Madam Thank Clark. you. Okay. We have, we have one more. Uh, so, Mr. Gulak, uh, please hang around for the very last one. Uh, from the Office of the City Clerk and City Planning Commission, line item 6.4, submitting a resolution of authorization for a neighborhood enterprise zone certificate applications for the construction of 10 new condominium units located at 95 Alfred, 101 Alfred, and 2827 John R. and the Crosswinds Woodward neighborhood enterprise zone area has been recommended for approval by the cpc uh, they received 10 applications requiring this nez certificate for the construction of 10 new for sale condominium units at 95 alfred 101 alfred and 2827 john r so mr gulak queued up again
10: guess uh, yes so thank you mr chair uh chris gulak lpd cpc staff <laughs> Uh, Mr. Chair, I believe this is, is is the Coda project that we reviewed last week, and I think it was held brought back, and I think it was it was held to um, because Councilmember Whitfield Calloway had asked the Law Department to investigate um, the demolition of the um, uh, carriage house, and I believe the, the, the Law Department's been meeting maybe with the DEGC in response, and I'll I'll defer to them if they have any update, but I think that's I think that's this project, uh, Mr. Chair.
2: Uh, if we can going to open up line item 6.4 for discussion, I did not do that, pardon me. I have a motion. Motion. Uh, Mr. Gulak, from my understanding too, this we brought this back to be determined, uh, pending the receipt uh, of questions uh, and, and a resolution from Member Calloway. Uh, and so, members, I would ask to do the same thing because she has not received that as of yet. Uh, and uh, do we have a motion to bring back line item 6.4 uh, to be determined, please? Uh, Pending Member Callaway's uh, resolution. Motion. Okay. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 6.4 will be brought back to be determined, uh, pending uh, also the receipt of Member Callaway's questions uh, from her resolution. So that does now bring us to uh, the end of our agenda. Uh, and we will go into member reports. The chair recognizes Member Santiago Romero.
9: Thank you, Mr. Chair. Nothing to report.
2: Chair recognizes Vice Chair Young.
13: Um, I just want to say, everybody, um, last week uh, I celebrated my birthday. I had so much fun. I wouldn't rather want to do it with a greater group of people. I want to thank the city of Detroit. I want to thank my colleagues. Um, I also definitely want to uh, give a very special shout out to uh, not only Councilwoman uh, Waters, but also Councilwoman Calloway, whose district we were in. So, I just want to say, everybody who participated, thank you, and I appreciate it. Something I will always remember. Your 40th is a special one. So, thanks, guys.
2: Thank you, Vice Chair Young. Uh, As far as my member report is concerned, I'm asking that members of the public, particularly District 7, join us Uh, tonight. uh, We have a budget meeting uh, talking about the budget priorities for District 7, and that is tonight online. We have sent correspondences relative to that. And then uh, as well, tomorrow uh, via Zoom, we will have our D7 tax incentives educational series that will take place at 6 p.m. The registration is available under Eventbrite under the City of Detroit activities. Please register for that uh, and look forward to seeing everybody there as we talk about tax incentives uh, and what they do, how they work, and all of that good information. Uh, Other than that, that concludes my member report. Uh, I have nothing less. Mr. Corley, uh, do you have anything? I do not, but thank you. Okay. I always check with you now before we end the meeting. <laughs>
13: Got any more
2: questions? Thank you. Yeah, I do, uh, with that, do I have a motion to adjourn today's meeting? I have a motion to adjourn today's meeting.
13: Uh, motion.
1: Okay. Hearing no objection, this committee will stand at ease at the call of the chair.